everyone. Welcome to Just Bear It, a podcast where we dive into conversations to spark social change. My name is Jolene. My name is Marian, and my name is Weiting. Today we have a very special guest, James Dios, the amazing founder behind Technique, a small group strength and conditioning training system for those who want to move with confidence and train with purpose. In this episode, James talks about mental health from a man's perspective. And his experience as a friend and partner of individuals going through depression, James shares about how macho guys have their inner vulnerabilities too, and he also candidly shares about how he evolved from an egoistic boy to a self-aware man through constantly working on himself. It's pretty rare to hear men being so open and honest about their emotions and flaws, which was really refreshing. And we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Today we have an amazing special guest, James. Welcome to our podcast. So excited to be here. Hi. Awesome. Could you share a bit more about yourself, James? Yeah, sure. I uh, where do I start?、Um, grew up in Sydney, to a、uh, very traditional Greek family.、Um, have a sister and a brother who are a lot older than me.、Um, Yeah, just typical Greek fat kid,、um, ate way too much,、um, but yeah, loved my food.、Um, and then I, what I do, went to uni,、um, kind of rediscovered myself at uni, made some friends who are now still very, I'm very good friends with.、Um, and then I, I did economics at uni, didn't help me at all in life,、um, but did meet some cool people. Actually, you know what? The degree did help in the way that it enabled me to get visas in Hong Kong and Singapore.、Wow. So that there's a bit of a fact for people who think their degree is complete waste of time. It's not because it can grant you access to countries around the world. Did you know you always wanted to go to Hong Kong and Singapore? No, I think you. I mean, you you kind of stick to your circles growing up, and you know. Going around, not, not that I've been to many places.、Um, there's still a lot of places that I want to travel to, but just you, when you meet people, like let's say if I meet an Aussie in, in Singapore, they're a lot more open-minded than you know the people that you meet back in Sydney, right?、There's, you know, who are living there who've never probably lived overseas. So、yeah. you tend to get like a different type of、um, Aussie or、uh, whatever when you when you travel and meet people overseas.、Um, so. Yeah, I think you, you never think about leaving your circle until you do,、mm. or the opportunity comes your way. That's when you kind of think, "Shit, do I need to make a decision? Do I kind of change my path and jump on this, or do I just keep doing the same thing I've been doing and just kind of, which is okay, right? Like, it comes down to the person. If you're happy and you're comfortable and you love what you're doing, then great. But if you sense that there is something that's just not right and You want to try something new, then hundred percent jump in or you know do it.、But、yeah, that was yeah. Is was、uh, was Hong Kong the first city you went like out of Australia? Yep, yep. Because um, yeah, that's a good yeah good question. Um, <laughs> my 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 friend who he moved to Hong Kong. This was in um the first time I actually ever exited or left left Australia was in twenty twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. And my friend was in Hong Kong,、uh, who I met at uni. He moved to Hong Kong、um, to work, and he, you know, I was going through a bit of shit at. I can't swear. Can I? I was going through a bit of. That's okay. Okay. I work at the time was pretty stressful. I worked in IT sales, so yeah, not very, not very exciting,、uh, but, but,、um, but it was a good job. Like it, you know, I had a great mentor at the time.、Um, But I was just going through a lot, and I decided to just—I was working really hard for about one to two years, and I accumulated some leaves. So I, th- I thought where to go, and then my friend was like, "Come to Hong Kong. It's so much fun here. You, you love it." So yeah, first time overseas, went to Hong Kong. Absolutely loved the place. I loved the vibe, the energy.、Um, I loved the mix of you know, kind of Asian and Western culture,、um, and yeah, I. Uh, obviously, from from there, I, I did travel, you know, through Europe, you know, the UK,、um, but I always just loved Hong Kong. You know, it was, it was just always so special and different and unique, and I just found it so fascinating. 
So that that was always in my mind how kind of special Hong Kong was. Um, so then you went to Hong Kong, and then mm -hmm. what did you do there? So I before I left, I, I quit my sales job in 2016. Um, I was a PT at that point, so I, I used I I would um I'd work by day in the sales job, and then by night I would do PT. So yeah, long long days, long hours. Uh, probably worked harder then than I'm doing now almost. Um, wow. It's pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty stressful, pretty intense. But I enjoyed PT. It was something I really enjoyed doing. Um, the money wasn't the best. Obviously, IT sales was, was a great job and it paid well. Um, There's zero passion for that job. I just, you know, I just, I enjoyed kind of the sales process, engaging with customers, trying to solve, solve problems. Um, that was quite exciting. Um, but the whole polit political back end was just a nightmare. And just not my kind of jam. And in hindsight, you know, looking back, I was quite immature. You know, I, you know, I do, I think I would have changed my ways in hindsight. Like I I'm wasn't so tempted to ask, <clears throat> like, what do you mean by immature? It's just a little shit. Like I, I didn't listen to anyone. I thought I knew it all. Um, I, you know, I did okay in sales and that kind of was what um, kept me going and kept me in the job. I think if I didn't do well, then they would have probably fired me earlier. Um, just, I think when you, you self-awareness, just lacking a little, um, a little bit of ego, a um, little bit of ego, probably a lot of ego, <laughs> probably a lot of ego. And, you know, not, not that it wasn't a bad job. It was a good job. And I probably didn't really respect it enough. And in all honesty, it just wasn't for me. I mean, look, it wasn't for me. Um, I had a, it was a good good time the six years that I spent with the company, um, but I probably should have left sooner um, and pursued something that was really more down my my alley, something I was a lot more passionate about. So the PT kind of was there, but I just never really invested any time, energy, or effort into it. It was something that I just do after work. You know, a PT maybe I'd have four or five clients and I'd see them twice a week. Um, at one point, actually, when I just started doing PT, um, I started doing group classes on weekends. I started doing one-on-ones during the week and they started taking off, but I had no idea about how to run a business. Again, ego. I was going out partying every weekend, a lot of alcohol. And I just, and then I would get to a point where I, I'd have like, you know, I wouldn't even shop to the weekend your group session and it'd be like 10 people there waiting for me. Yeah, it was, it was quite embarrassing. So I, I, it was actually, it was picking up, but I just never saw the opportunity in front of me. It was weird. Cause I was just like, no, no, I'm an IT guy. I'm in sales, I'm in IT. PT is kind of my side hustle. But I didn't see that if I just focused on the PT and just kind of kept growing that, that could have been more than, than just, anyway. So that all, so I just stuck to doing, stuck to doing PT. Um, I actually lived at home with mom and dad, like a good Greek boy. You know, um, that's what you do. You know, you don't dare move out because, you know, that's that the family will excommunicate you. Um, not unless you get married and have four or five kids, and then it's okay to move out. Um, yeah, standard minimum. Four or five kids have to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just, yeah, traditional. There are a lot of similarities with, you know, European culture and, you know, um, Asian culture. So you've got a very kind of close knit family. Um, you know, they bestow a lot of their. Um, beliefs and traditions upon you, which is good and bad. Obviously, you can take some of the good and leave some of the bad. So you started PT when you were in Hong Kong? Yeah, so the, I, I, was, I was doing PT and IT sales, quit, quit IT sales, quit PT. I, um, F45 came into the fray. So my, my mentor at the time in, in the um, IT sales job, who used to be my boss, then he was just like, we were just kind of on par. Um, he suggested opening an F45 franchise in Sydney. So it was a bit of a, he would, he'd say, look, you know, obviously not happy here. Why don't you consider going into the fitness world full time? This is an opportunity for you. So I looked at it and said, okay, interesting. I, I went to, um, to, to meet the sales guy at F45, had a good chat. Um, and then I was kind of like, okay, this is cool. So I was kind of looking at which territory, when you buy a franchise, you, you pick a, a territory. So you might pick, for instance, Singapore might be like Bokeh or mm. Raffles or, um, you know, Orchard and you, you buy that territory. So you have like a perimeter where you could open a, a gym and that's kind of, that's your gym in a way. 
So as I was looking at territories in Sydney at the time, they all kept selling out. So they're selling out so fast. And I was talking to the, the sales guy and he's like, look, I'm, look, mate, unfortunately, like we're, we're growing at an exponential rate in, in Australia. But he goes, we're very open overseas. He said, what's your appetite for expansion overseas? Um, I said, I don't know. I have to think about it. So I just kind of spent, you know, the next two or three months just thinking about whether I wanted to move overseas and open this F45 business. And he said, look, if you do it overseas, we'll really kind of we'll look after you. We'll give you a great price. Um, you know, we'll, we'll make it worth your while if you'd consider it. Because, you know, there were uh, F45 as a business probably thinking at that point, you know, we've done Australia. They, that's kind of sold out. We want to try and take it overseas and see what we can do. So he was saying, you know, you can, you know, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, London, are some of the areas that they're looking to focus on. Um, uh, and so I kind of went away and thought about it. I'm like, why don't I, I, I was thinking London or Hong Kong. Uh, I actually never at that point had, I, I didn't go to Singapore at that point. I've been, I went to London and I've been to Hong Kong. Just kind of deciding between London and Hong Kong. Um, I think at the time I considered Singapore, but there was some, I, I think I needed a local partner and I, I didn't know anyone there. So I don't know. Now there's ways around it. Um, but back then, then maybe there wasn't. So I probably, I think I crossed off Singapore quite early and London was just so far and I loved Hong Kong. <laughs> The weather's better <laughs> so i said yeah hong kong so yeah then i moved to hong kong i literally quit my job i think I, I i decided i bought the franchise in like april i quit my job in june and then it wasn't a one-way ticket to hong kong in july wow <laughs> how did it feel when you bought the one-way ticket scary <laughs> I, That's your first ever one-way ticket, right? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had to... Okay, so they wouldn't let me board the plane without buying a return ticket. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually when I went to the airport, I was going to... It was a Qantas flight. I remember trying to check in and the lady there was, oh, you need to actually buy a return ticket. So I was like, oh, but, you know, Visa. And she's like, no, but you need... Anyway, so long story, I had to buy it. And then I just got it refunded. But I was scared. I was terrified. I was really terrified. One, there's two things that kept me going. Number one is that I wasn't afraid of hard work. Like I knew that if I just, cause I was working already stupid hours in my sales job and then I do PT, like I, I wasn't afraid of hard work. I knew what it, I knew, I had always this thing, this thing in my head, do whatever it takes, just do whatever it takes and it'll work. You know, if you, uh, and there's another quote that I, I really enjoy. Um, are you willing to sacrifice in, for the achievement of your goals like are you willing to sacrifice everything for the achievement of your goals not everything is in you know your murdering loved ones <laughs> like you're you know you're, you're just you're everything that's just not essential you kind of put to the side and just solely focus on it you know what you have at hand um so that was kind of i was going through this self-discovery mo moment where i was like reading a lot of books increasing my self-awareness um and i just was ready i was i had the right mindset i was ready for it and I had saved money, which was, you know, if I, if anyone's listening and they want to start their own business, just save money. Like, I don't know how to pitch from, I don't know, like the startup world. It's just not, I don't understand it. It's, I've just, I've always been like, you save your money and then you use it to create things. That's how I do business. So I was like, I always save money and I had money. So that helped me. And if I lost it, I think like it wasn't that big of a deal. I could always just go back home and live with mom and dad again. Hey mom, dad, I, you know. <laughs> Bankrupt. <laughs> oh, you got a bed for me. Fantastic. Thanks, mom, for the for the Love food. Me too. <laughs> like, right? Like you could, you know, people. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Just who cares? You, all right. It's a It's a. If you if you have to if I if I go bankrupt, I can always go back into the. So you know, James, tell me what you've done for the past five years. Well, I built two businesses, and then one business did really well. The other business went bankrupt. But you know, I went to two different countries. They're like, okay, do you want to work for us? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it sounds good. Like. You know what I mean? Like getting a job is after, is kind of easy afterwards because you've got that kind of, you know, that awesome experience. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was scary, but yeah, you just got to work on your mindset before doing stuff like this. Yeah. It's interesting because you mentioned when you're at work, like ego might play a part in you thinking that you were a little shit, but then when you talked about your experience and even if you go bankrupt, you just go home. Like, I don't sense ego there. 
So did you notice any like pivotal moments in your life when the self-awareness comes and she's good asking she's good asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. Um, I at, at, in the office in the when I was working the IT sales job, I there was a guy, a colleague. Um, I remember his his name was Mitesh. Um, very my my age. I think at the time he was twenty seven. I was twenty seven. He recently got married and had a baby. His wife had a baby, and um, he quit the the sales job. He quit his job. So he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna quit. I'm over it. I'm done. We always used to catch up and whinge about how shit work was and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was always a smart guy. Like I kind of looked up to him, but I didn't know much about him. And then I just, I said, hey man, you know, you're leaving, what's going on, everything all right? He's like, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm okay. Like I'm, I've got into myself financially where I'm, I don't need to work. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm, I'm okay. Like I don't, I've got seven properties. I've got lots of money in the bank. I don't need to, I don't need this job. I'm like, oh. I'm like, how did you do all this? It's like, oh yeah, I just invested my money and worked really hard and you know did a lot of side hustles. And so I started hanging out with him. So very inspiring, you know, very, very smart young dude. And he told me, all right, well, the first thing you're gonna do is read this book. And it's called The Compound Effect. Mm. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's a very simple book. Like it's just little habits that yeah. you do day in, day out, that S, you know, you know. So I read that and it kind of blew my mind. Um, I read it now every now and again. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's a good book. But um, but at the time, it was just so. I didn't read any books. I didn't read any books. I didn't work on myself. The only books I would read is how to become a better salesperson, or mm-hmm. it was just purely focused on my job, like how to sell. I didn't read any books on how to be better at everything, not not just selling. So, I this kind of opened the door to a whole new world for me. I started um, investing a lot of time, energy into myself, into bettering my mindset, just working on how I can improve myself rather than, you know, making money or, you know, um, being cool, or <laughs> pleasing people, fun. or fun, or no, buying buying shit, you know, like I just did. So that was a real pivotal moment that I remember, and then. Yeah, we're still we're still friends today. Me and Mitesh. We don't hang out that much, but you know, he's in he's in Melbourne. Um, but we touch base. He's a mortgage broker, so uh, he actually quit that sales job and started his own brokering business. And then you know, I kind of we do business every now and again together. But yeah, so that was the moment. I just I matured very quick from a douche. <laughs> To a more respectable young man. Wow! Yeah. Respectable young man. That's how we would describe you. <laughs> is it now like a habit to consistently work on yourself, and is it always that smooth sailing, or did you face certain, you know, down moments or stressful moments? Yeah, I mean, I think my life has drastically been better since. Like when I, I think I read that book in when I was 27, 26, 27, and I've just been able to handle life so much better ever since then. And not just, it's not just that book. There is obviously a lot of books that came after that book um, and a lot of, you know, learning that came after that. So I invested a lot of time every day to work on myself. So it was kind of like, again, little things that add up over time. So I haven't had any real, um, moments where I, you know, nothing over and above what most people kind of go through. Um, No, I've been quite, you know, thankfully in a good place, mentally at least. Um, Physically, I'm okay too. Just okay. His ego is gone. I I, I hate ego so much. Like I look back and I just, I like the minute I get, I catch myself. I get there are moments when my ego kind of flares up, and I get onto this. My I get onto my whole horse, and I start preaching and talking about how you know this and that. But I kind of tr- I try and turn it down. I try and kill the ego within. It's a good book. Ego is enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. Um, but I, I, I if I sense ego, I just um, I kind of kill it. kill it. I try and kill it. 
do you have like some tips on how to even notice and then how to kill it and or maybe at the start might not be that easy to kill it crush it murder it, smaller, it. <laughs> burn it ego doesn't serve you like it can you know you, when you think you know it all you actually stop learning the minute you think you know, the minute you stop learning. I would encourage everyone to always want to learn, to always have an open mind. We struggle receiving criticism, and I, I understand that. I even I'm very I struggle all the time when people give me criticism, and I'm like, so who are you to give me mm. criticism? And part of that's true. Like if someone that you don't want to trade places with starts giving you criticism, you should take it with a grain of salt. Mm. But if someone that you respect and admire, look up to and has built successful, whatever that you want to replicate, then you should listen. Like, I just think, you know, you can be polite, you know, you can, you know, um, you can always just go, thank you for your input. I'll take it on board. Um, but yeah, it, I think people just hold themselves in really high esteem when it's, maybe more of an insecurity from within. Mm. Um, and we all have insecurities. I do. We all do. Um, but just, I just don't see what you're going to achieve from ego. Like there is no good that can come out of it. If I was to, if I was able to summarize it, there is no good that comes from ego or having ego at all ever. I don't, I don't know what good. Yeah. Um, it leaves you open. It leaves you um, vulnerable. You are definitely a very self-aware person who is very mindful at this stage. Um, how did you come across or when did you come across like mindfulness and what do you think about it? I, I, when, okay, when you say mindfulness, the, the, the what I get in my head is a 23-year-old yogi sitting there going <laughs> let all your troubles subside <laughs> and think from within how to be great and how to it's like what the fuck do you know <laughs> you're a 23 year old mate like where have you been what have you done like what do you know about mindfulness like what do you know about anything like you know i just hear i know i've got a few friends now who are life coaches and that's that's okay but you know, it was just, just <laughs> it's okay. Like you just cast in your mind. That's it. <laughs> no, look, I, I, like you know, I'm part of you know Narnia. Yeah. I love, I love everyone there. Yeah. But my, even like my friend Mark, he's a life coach. But he, you know, oh, listening to Mark and hearing his story, and he's, you know, he's been there. He's done a lot. He's been through a lot. So I think, yeah, if you, you know. As long as you're not a 23-year-old life coach, um, it, you know, maybe for a 28-year-old life coach or 30-something, then maybe that's got more substance. And I just think mindfulness is kind of like functional. It's one of those words that just, it's like one of those um, pivoting in the age of COVID. Like you say pivot again, I'll put pivot somewhere. <laughs> you know, like you need to pivot in this COVID age. And like, <laughs> I think it's just the new, the new normal, another one. Like stop, yeah, anyway. I think my, there's nothing inherently wrong with mindfulness. It's just the word that triggers me at all. Um, there is, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with mindfulness. Um, we should be mindful. But just saying we should be mindful is not helpful, I think, to someone who doesn't understand. So maybe you can share a little bit more about what mental health means to you and being mindful means to you. Like it might mean different things with different people, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I consider myself very lucky. I don't, I don't have any kind of mental illness or I don't have any, not that I know of, I don't have any, you know, I don't suffer from any kind of depression or, um, and I've been with, I had an ex-girlfriend who really suffered from depression and, um, one of my best friends, he suffers from it too. So, um, I think when it comes to mental health, 
there's a few things that you probably need to focus on. Probably first thing is your environment. Um, and the, all the stuff I'm talking about is from books that I've read or listened to. Like I don't make this stuff up. Like no information is new in this world, right? It's all kind of regurgitated. But one thing that I really loved was controlling your environment, like become obsessed with controlling your environment. Get out of negative environments. Mm -hmm. Like if you find yourself in toxic relationships, you know, even you, your family could be toxic. Your best friend could be toxic. Um, you could have a toxic lifestyle where you go out drinking every night and partying and you know wasting your body away and doing dumb shit. Um, that's a bad environment to be in. You know, if your friends are constantly wanting to go out partying and drinking, just you know, not I'm not saying get rid of them, but just you know, put some boundaries in place that's going to limit your exposure to that environment because that's just not going to help you ever. Um, so controlling your environment and being meticulous around that. You know, sorry, no, no, I, I, I can't hang out with you tonight. Yeah. I need to be in bed because I need to wake up because I have mm. things to do. You know, I was, you know, I'll see you on the weekend at Saturday because I know that on Saturday I have time. I don't have to wake up early. Mm. I can sleep in a little bit. I've got time to hang out with you at that point. Mm. So just being very meticulous around how you plan your your schedule and your calendar and controlling your environment as much as possible. Uh, number two, the practice of gratitude. So making sure that you're being grateful for what you have. I know it's easier said than done, you know, some people are just, you know, in a really bad state. I think the one one thing about me is there is I, I'm healthy. Like I don't have any, from what I know of, I don't have any kind of illnesses or diseases. So that's pretty good. Um, I think if you are suffering from something, um, then that's that sucks. Like that's one of those things that you can't really control, and that's going to bring you down. Uh, you know, and we all don't want that for anyone. But everything else. Is not that important like i find that business is just not that important like you, your health and the health of your loved ones is kind of it like your business can fail you can go bankrupt you know whatever like it's not that big people think like their job is so important mm. like their job they don't care like once people realize their company doesn't give a shit about them <laughs> it just doesn't like, you know, and once you get that, you just kind of, you're not so caught up in the, in the shit. Like you're like, whatever, like it's just, you just live a better lifestyle and just be grateful for the small things like, you know, um, friends and family health. Um, the, so the practice of gratitude number two, because one, another thing, if you're, if you're not grateful for what you have, how are you going to be grateful when you have more? Like when is, you know, if you're like, I have nothing today, but I'll be grateful when I have more, you won't be, you won't be grateful when you have more, you have to be grateful with, you, with what you have. Um, and third, I don't know, do something physical, get physical, just, <laughs> yeah. Um, mental health, I, I'd say control your environment, practice of gratitude, and do something physical, um, physical and challenging. Play sport, train, lift heavy weights, do your ballet, gymnastics, but just do something physically challenging as often as you can. Thanks for the tips, James. Like those three tips will definitely create an image out of it and spread it around and then brand technique part of it. Nice. Uh, we will talk about technique a little bit later because we have to. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but, but before we go there, there's a little something we want to dig deeper, which is um, something very close to my heart when you are with someone or your loved ones um, are going through depression or have had depression. How was that journey like for you as someone who is, you know, close to them? And did that help you learn more about the condition and how to care for someone like that better or help someone like that better? Um, yeah, I, I don't, you, I, you hear the word depression um, and you don't, you just think, oh, someone's just a bit sad or someone has, you know, something they're going through or you don't think of it as actually a condition or an illness or something that, you know, people can't just move on from. Um, so my first um, kind of real, you know, uh, experience with, with depression was what um, my one of my ex-girlfriends, ex-girlfriend. Ex um, and 
you know, we started dating and it was all great. And, you know, she would occasionally just mention, oh, you know, I, I, I have my good days and my bad days. And, you know, she'd kind of gradually talk to me about it. And I didn't really know what she was saying or how to react. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. No worries. We all have good and bad days. So I kind of just shrugged it off and didn't think much about it. And, um, and then she, you know, it just got progressively worse. Like I, I'd be quite a, a positive kind of guy. This is before my whole, you know, book reading, <laughs> deciding to, you know, change my, my headspace. But uh, even at that point, I was still fairly positive. Um, you know, I was always, I was always in, in, a, in a good kind of spirit, if that makes sense. And yeah, I, I, more often than not, she would just be in a bad kind of state. Um, I'd try and talk to her. She'd be very short and quiet and um, she'd, she'd always, um, she'd always want to see me, but then I didn't know why she'd always just want to be next to me and around me. And I'm like, Hey, is everything all right? She goes, yeah, everything's fine. But she never really kind of dug into it. It just seemed, things seemed off. Yeah. And I'd always try and, you know, you know, give her praise and be positive and Hey, you know, like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, it's fine. You're okay. What's going on. I'd always try and get more information, but it was kind of hard to extract and she kind of with her held a lot. And then slowly, so she started opening up. She was saying, look, you know, I, I, I really suffer from depression. Like I, I, I struggle to get out of bed some days and, um, you know, I have bad thoughts. And at the time I was like, okay, well, let's just work on it. Like, let's try and work on it. Like, like yeah. let's try and change how you think. And, but it just never made any difference. Um, and not that I was qualified in any way, shape or form to mm -hmm. give her advice. Cause I just didn't know what to do myself. So I was just mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, like it'd be fine. It's all good today. It's a great day. Like what's, so just whatever I said didn't make anything better. Like it just never changed. So I was just kind of, it was wearing me down. Yeah. I was getting really kind of um, anxious and I was like annoyed and frustrated. And you know, I'd be like, I don't know what, like nothing I'm saying is getting through. And she goes, oh, it's not your fault. It's just, so it was just really challenging. And I think it just kind of clicked one day after like a year. It's just like, I can't change this girl. Like I just can't help her I don't know how to help her um so I said you know maybe just go see someone see a specialist I was still quite she was maybe 23 and I was mm -hmm. 25 or 26 25 she was yeah um or 22 and I was like yeah just just see someone like try and see a specialist get some medication I, you know just try and feel better so yeah she went and got help and um she was better um and then I think a year later, she started weaning herself off the medication. And, but I, th I think at that point, things had improved a lot. Um, but I think at that point, we, we parted ways. We decided that, um, I think you just kind of wore me out. And I just didn't, I just didn't, I just couldn't love her the same way. I really struggled um, in the relationship. Um, so unfortunately, I just said, look, I just, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel the same way as I used to, I'm really sorry. And we kind of, she was heartbroken, but I, you know, we, we still remain friends and she's now married and she's in a good place. We, we text every now and again. She sent me a really sweet text, not too long, maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago saying, I really appreciate all the work you tried to put in to, to try and help me. Um, I'm in a much better place now because of it. And it was a really cute text. Like I was almost teary reading it. I remember I was in Hong Kong, I think when she sent it to me. I was in a cafe doing some work and I got it. I was like really emotional. She was awesome. I need to lose weight. I'm, I'm getting fat. <laughs> and then she was like, when she's like, you, you know, help me. <laughs> like, okay. Hi to you too. Uh, and then she was getting married and then she wanted to lose some weight. And then she just sent me that text, was like, uh, which was really cute. I mean, I was very sweet. That was my first um, experience with it. And then, you know, I've had a couple friends, um, a couple best friends, a couple friends, not best friends, but very close friends. I don't, I don't like the word best friend, but close friends, um, um, have it and, and, uh, kind of battle it on a day to day basis. Um, one friend in particular who lives in Sydney now, he, my friend from Hong Kong who I moved there and he, he suffers from it every day. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's in a better place now. He's, um, I think he's, got a boyfriend he's um he's gay but he's got a boyfriend and they're happy and then i think moving to melbourne to
together. I don't know. I'm just we keep tabs. You know, once once every two three months, we we'll do a quick phone call. But yeah, he, again, he's you know, it's just it's just you can't. It's really it's hard. It's hard to. Um, like you really want to help. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know how. No matter what, no matter what you do, it just never seems to work. It, it definitely. It's just a. It's people need to know that it's something. It's real. Um, you know, and, and anyone who's going through it that's close to you, keep tabs on. Um, you don't have to try and fix it. Like, try not to fix it. Just be there. I think is the only thing that I could take away from experience. Don't try and fix it because it just makes it worse. Because you can't, can't fix it. But you can encourage them to go to a specialist. Yes. See someone that's qualified. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's not easy to share, and I, but I think it's very valuable. We, we will definitely get a lot of insights from it. Um, so you're a macho guy, guys, um, <coughs> right? People listening, guys and girls I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm uh, like so. soft deep down. <laughs> um, and there's always this like misconception or thoughts that like guys, they, they don't share about feelings and they all are very, you know, okay and macho and strong and they don't cry, you know. So how... How do you think? Uh, what do you think about this statement, or how do you personally feel about this? Um, I, I I agree with it. Um, I, the more self awareness I develop, the more emotional I become, and more in tune with my feelings. Uh, so I'd always encourage, especially dudes, to stop trying to, you know, conform to society of being a, you know, meathead. And <laughs> It's more apparent in Sydney, I find. Like, it's it's a very maybe not so much in Asia, but in Sydney, like there is this big kind of macho, macho. Mm. Every guy goes to the gym. Like, every, like it's if you don't go to the gym, you're weird. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> and everyone plays sport, and never it's always you know some kind of you know physical sport which I never played. So I never, I never, I just never understood the team sport stuff. It's just to me, it was like, all right cool like i'm competitive like i want to win but i just i don't know i just never loved team sport that much it's just but it's kind of this big thing culture it's like yeah i'm you know i'm this with you know we're a team and the boys <laughs> you know it's all you know just go work out together and you know go drinking um yeah i think it's more apparent the macho kind of meathead culture in sydney um I think a lot of a lot of us insecurities. Um, it'd be nice to just have an open conversation with a dude one day and just say, "Hey, man, I know why you go to the gym. It's because you you know you, you're not really confident with how you look and you want to look bigger and you want to look better and more attractive. That's okay. You can say that. Mm. I mean, that's totally cool. You know, I always say to people like, if your goal is to lose fat because you want to get laid, then that's totally fine. That's your goal. That's what you want. And there's nothing wrong with that. No there's no judgment. Like what you want, why you want to look a certain way should be your prerogative. Like no one should tell you how you should look. Um, and yeah, I, I think a lot of this kind of alpha culture or, you know, mass masculine culture comes from insecurities. Guys that are huge, that have tattoos, insecurities. Maybe they didn't have any community or love back home and they found a gang and Oh, yeah. the, the gang took them under the wing and they gave them the, the comfort and security that they always wanted that they never got from their families. One of my best friends, he's, you know, six foot four and 120 kilos and tattered, shaved head, biceps as big as my head. But a lot of, you know, he didn't, you know, a lot of, obviously a lot of, you know, steroids and a lot of, you know, yeah. drug abuse. And, you know, there's a reason why he's like that. There's a reason why, you know, he had an alcoholic abusive father. You know, he, mm. he lived with his, you know, with that kind of, environment mm -hmm. he grew up in that environment his mom lived in a, in a separately because she couldn't she, his mom couldn't afford to keep him so he had to live with his dad who was this insane kind of drug addicted alcoholic person who would would, would beat him so he'd go to the gym to get big and strong mm -hmm. so he wouldn't get hurt by his dad like, like this is the kind of stuff that so next time like if you see a guy who's huge and tattered don't just think he's an idiot or he's a meathead or he's just you know he's a, he's a you don't know, like you just don't know, um, you know. So I think just don't judge a book by its cover. Um, they might be, you know, sweet and gentle inside, but just look like they're intimidating. 
Mm. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think guys just don't want to talk about it and it's hard. I don't know how you're going to help people open up more. I think just asking the question, you know, there's this campaign in Sydney that I always see, are you okay? You know, it's kind of, I think specifically, I think you might be more around men or focus around men, but just asking a mate, are you, are you okay? Like, like seriously, are you okay? Like not, Hey man, how's your day? Like, mm. Hey dude, all, all, Hey, you know, are you having any bad dark thoughts lately? Are you, mm. what's going through your head? You know, you're in a good place. Is there anything we can talk about? Um, that's, that's something you can ask a dude. Um, and just, just create a safe place to talk about it. Perfect. Yeah. I'm curious, what got you into fitness and teaching PT? No judgment. It's <laughs> fat kid. Um, the typical, I was just, I wanted to be more attracted to the opposite sex, basically. And then after a while, I just decided that I just love training. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about how I look to the opposite sex anymore. Like, I think people need to understand your journey changes, like your health and fitness mm -hmm. journey always evolves, yes. right? You, you always start off with vanity reasons. Like there is always, you know, a desire to find a mate, a desire to, um, have more confidence mm -hmm. in your physique, uh, you know, to, to be impressed with how you look naked or, you know, it always drives from aesthetics initially, and then it always evolves over time. Um, and it, you know, your goals can change and that's okay. It's actually healthy for your goal to change. You might pursue strength. You know, I want to get stronger. I want to add weight to the barbell, or you might pursue a marathon. You want to improve your endurance. You want to get fitter. Um, you might want to take up Olympic weightlifting and mm -hmm. perfect your technique across the snatch and the clean and jerk and these kind of movements. Or So you, your, your fitness journey usually starts from aesthetics and then evolves into something else for a sport, for your kids, for your family, mm -hmm. to live longer. Um, but everyone has their own why and your why evolves over time. I think this is the perfect time to ask you more about technique, your little baby. Um, could you share more about how it came about? How, you know? how long do you have? <laughs> as long as you need. Oh, okay. That's a good question. Technique. So technique was just born, um, because of us of an itch like i i in being in being in the fitness realms for now for over about five years being a pt having done you know many hours of pt um opening a, an f45 group hit kind of concept um being to so many different gyms all around the world london singapore hong kong sydney um actually haven't been to the states yet so that's on my to-do list but um being to so many gyms and you know doing you know trying crossfit f45 trying all these different concepts. Um, I wanted to create something that I saw a big gap where there was the group training was great because of the community. Um, it's fantastic to be part of a community. I think as PTs, you often overlook the, the impact of community. Like it's so cool to have friends that you train with and that camaraderie is really kind of special. However, a lot of group fitness is not very personalized. It's not adapted. Like it's, you know, it's kind of like cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. This is the workout of the day. You come in and you do this workout. There is no real alteration or there is no real kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one interaction with the trainer. It's kind of like, this is the workout. I'm here to make sure you don't die. That's about it. Um, you know, I'm here for your, you know, you bleeding. No, great. Keep going. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of like, you know, one trainer to 50 people kind of thing, you know, the Les Mills typical one instructor on a podium and then 50 people kind of doing the worst technique ever <laughs> with their, you know, 17 squats in a row. Um, my knee hurts. Wonder why Stacy <laughs> stop doing Les Mills. Um, sorry, no, nothing wrong with Les Mills. I'm sure it's great. Um, but that was just an example, right? It could happen anywhere. It could happen in a CrossFit class, a 45 class. It could happen a technique. Like there's, there's nothing group class you know there is always going to be chance of you know you hurting yourself or you're not being you know the trainer to client ratio is quite small so technique essentially i want to create a a um a system where the programming is centralized and it's progressive and structured in a way that's designed to get you stronger over time 
So it, the, there is structure to our programming. No one workout is, is um, every workout leads or builds onto the previous. So there's, um, there's a system that you're following. There's a reason why we do everything. Um, and the programming scales to you. So what I mean by that is uh, everything's mapped to your, to your, your, we call it your one rep max numbers. So if you come in with a hundred kilo one rep max squat, all the programming is then scaled to you. So if you come on a Monday and we do squats, it might be at 70% of your one RM. So you're doing, you're going to be doing 70 kilos for whatever sets and reps are on the, um, the TVs. So it's, it's intelligent structured programming that scales to the individual. So there is some personalization, personalization in there. On top of that, everyone gets kind of access to a one-on-one -on -one coach to kind of discuss goals, to understand where they're at and then what they want to achieve and how to get them there. Um, so you also have that personalized touch where you have a coach kind of keeping you on track, attending classes, making sure that you're doing the system, the programming, um, uh, keeping you accountable. So, and also like we, as coaches, we try and understand your mechanics. Like we want to know your limb lengths and we understand what, what works and what doesn't. Have you had any injuries? Maybe we put you on a different bar. We, you know, maybe you don't use a barbell when you do deadlifts. Maybe use a trap bar. If you've got sh poor shoulder mobility, we'll give you like a safety bar to use when you squat. So there is that personalization to form that if you have any kind of mobility restrictions. So it's very personalized training, but in a group setting to sum it up. Yeah. So I didn't see anything like this. Maybe I'm, you know, delusional, confused. I'm crazy. You know, maybe it exists and I haven't seen it. You are not. Okay, cool. <laughs> you uh, need that affirmation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. And if you think about it, I'd say like if you take an F45 and put it on one end of the spectrum, like when I say 45, I mean most group like F45, CrossFit or um, Barry's or um, kind of these group fitness concepts. And then you take a PT on the other end. So you've got PT one-on-one, very, very targeted, very tailored, very specific, you know, very focused on what you want versus come in and do a workout together in a group and have fun and sweat it out. Great. We're in the middle. We want to take a blend from that group community, you know, fun, mm. um, but then have that bit of bit more of a personal touch. Mm. You know, we know our clients, we know them by their first name. We know what they want to achieve individually and everyone has their own kind of plan. So you take, you're like the best of both worlds. You take the best of each of these like group class and PT and mesh it into technique, right? So you want to hire? <laughs> I can't afford her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she won't be cheap. Um, Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so one last question yep. before we let you off the hook and yep. back to your training. <laughs> um, so how's your mental health journey through this whole entrepreneurship um, uh, process and, you know, the whole, it's during uh, the COVID period as well. So just wanted to know, like, how did you do and what were you, how did you feel? What was it, everything, what was everything like? I think just knowing that there's somebody out there that's got it worse than I do. The minute I start thinking about how shit my situation is or how unlucky I am or how things aren't working out or how, how I should have done this or should have done that or why is the world like this? Or the minute I start thinking about that, I always go back to there is somebody out there who's in such a bad state or in such a worse state than you are. Um, just goes back to gratitude, like just always knowing that there are people out there that don't have food. Like they've just lost their jobs and have kids and that I can't feed their families. And you're complaining about not starting your business soon enough. Mm. Like it's just not that important, really. That's it. Just always knowing that there is somebody else out there that's, you know, no matter how bad your situation is, there's somebody out there that's worse, in a worse situation. You just don't know it yet. What is the, your favorite quote to sum up and wrap Man. up everything? <laughs> It gives you one minute. <laughs> so many good quotes. Um, I think the only one that comes to mind is the one I mentioned earlier, you know, and it's more of a question rather than a quote. Are you willing to sacrifice your life for the achievement of your goals? I think if you ever want to start a business, if you ever want to, I hate the word, but be an entrepreneur <laughs> and change the world and be more mindful and I don't know, whatever. 
But like the minute, the minute you sit there and you start getting a thought about how awesome it'd be to do this thing or to build this business or to start this brand or to do whatever, ask yourself this, are you willing to trade your life for the achievement of that goal? If the answer is yes, do it. If the answer is no, don't do it. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people, del most people are delusional. They start a business and think, oh, I'll just go on holiday for three weeks. The business will run itself. It doesn't work like that. It's just not mm -hmm. like that. Like, how do you build an, the only way to build an amazing brand business is Actually, work. I lie. I want to know how come you're so hardworking? Just do what you, I don't, I love what I do. I love what I do. I don't want to do anything else. No, but even when you do your sales, in your IT sales, you, you but you, you put yourself through it. Like you just do what you need to do. Yeah. Dad, my dad was just always hardworking. Dad moved mm. to Australia with nothing, like nothing. Mm. Had nothing. He had to work for a year to pay for his ticket to get to Australia. Mm. Like immigrant blood, like just, you know, um, a lot of, you know, your parents probably had to work their face off to build what, yeah, you know, yeah. the, 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 what you guys have. That's, you know, I, my dad, I, me growing up, big bed, big house, you know, dad bought me a car, like looked after me. They didn't have that shit. Yeah. I had none of that. Like, so I, I get my work ethic from dad and yeah, like hard work will set you free. Wow. Wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what drop process is. <laughs> Thank you. Cup oh. drop, cup drop. Um, Coffee cup drop, yeah, is your gym. <laughs> it's alright, it's alright. It's all good, it's all good. No stains, no stains. No, it's all good. <laughs> Okay, thank you, James. No worries. Gosh, for being on this podcast and you know being a representative of that macho, but you know just being yourself and being okay to talk about vulnerabilities mm. and just being really non-egoistic, right? Just learning mm. from everything and being very open. Like, thank you for representing everything about that, and especially hardworking, and um, that spirit of being hardworking and just chasing your dreams and helping others along the way. So. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Thank you. I am very honored and blessed to be on the podcast. It was good fun. You're blushing. <laughs> I am. I just, okay. Very, very sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us all the way till the end. We hope you're inspired by the amazing James and his transformation from an egoistic boy to a self-aware young man. James spoke about how hard work is necessary and encouraged us to be willing to get our hands dirty and do whatever it takes for us to achieve our goals. Besides that, having seen many macho fit guys at the gym, James also shared about how these seemingly big strong guys have their vulnerabilities as well. Talking about mental health is not easy for anyone, sometimes even more so for guys because of societal expectations. We can all extend a kind listening ear and encourage the people around us to talk about the struggles they are facing. If you're keen on correcting your sports techniques and getting to know James in person, feel free to check out his amazing gym at Technique Training SG. Do also follow us at justverit.co for more interesting episodes. See you in the next podcast. Bye! Bye. Bye.